0: To Lips LA with
1: Scott Lips. Hey, it's Scott, and welcome back, my friends, to another episode of Spin Magazine's Lip Service. My next guest is known professionally as Tove Lo. I call her Tuvalu, the Swedish pronunciation. She's a Swedish singer, songwriter, and actress who's been called Sweden's darkest pop export. She's known for her raw, grunge-influenced take on pop music, Her honest, complex, and autobiographical lyrical content has led to her being dubbed the saddest girl in Sweden. Excited to get into it with her today and talk about her new album, Dirt Femme, her history and journey and upcoming tour. Please welcome to the show in just a moment, Tove Lo. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Our show today is brought to you by the fine folks at Thursday's Boot Company. You guys have seen me rocking these boots in every other picture I have on Instagram. I'm always repping them. Thursday's Boots is a bootstrap startup that makes the best handcrafted boots and sells them direct to consumer at some of the lowest markups in the footwear industry. Thursday's Boots' tagline is highest quality, honest prices because they use some of the best materials like full grain leather, supple glove leather lining, and gold standard Goodyear welt construction. Thursday's Boot Company sells their boots at prices starting at just $149 with free shipping and returns. They've been featured in all the best fashion press, from Esquire to GQ to Cosmo and Vogue. More importantly, they've gotten over 20,000 five-star reviews from real customers. Thursday's Boots are perfect for people who understand quality and don't want to pay a high retail markup for great-looking pair of boots that are built to last. So check them out at Thursday's Boots on Instagram. My favorite shoes, my favorite boots. You always see me repping them. You'll love it. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. How's it going?
2: I'm good. How are you doing?
1: Great. Thanks for coming. I'm excited to have you here.
2: I'm happy to be here. Thank
1: you. Yesterday was almost like International toe Lo Day, because it was like, <laughs> right, the 9th of October?
0: Yes. So we should yeah. talk about that
1: for a moment, because I yeah. think a lot of your fans posted that as the mm-hmm. reference to one of your songs from yeah. a couple of years back. And that was pretty cool, right? Actually, yeah. Does I, that happen every 9th of October?
2: Yeah. They kind of made it into their own little... Um, that song is like a fan favorite a little bit. So um, it was like... Uh, it's a pretty sad one and I think it connects with a lot of people just like the, the very moment of a breakup and uh, yeah, it like has this feeling of being lonely and I think that um, resonates with a lot of my fans. Maybe I think that's so it. too, for but, sure. yeah, for a lot of humans, I guess, in general. It's yeah. almost like
1: a national holiday probably in Sweden, I would imagine, right?
2: Probably. <laughs> <laughs>
1: At this point, for sure. So first, yeah. I also want to say, uh, let's, you know, uh, get it out of the way. The, the correct pronunciation name is Tuvalu.
0: Yes. And I yes. got it right, I guess,
1: like RuPaul, Perfect. who did yeah. too, right? Yeah. So and, and talk about the origin of your name for a little bit, too, if you don't mind, because I know it, it's regarding a links mm-hmm. and it's how you grew up when you were a kid and everything. And, and I don't know if you, I think you prefer both these days, right? Both are sort of yeah, widely acceptable to m- you.
2: Maybe I'm a little bit too, like, go with the flow when it comes to my name. But I guess it's just, I think also being Swedish and having a very Swedish name you're used to people if you travel a lot everyone's gonna butcher it in some yeah. way or like pronounce it wrong so it doesn't bother me that much you know to to hear the different pronunciations well, what are the, what's the worst
1: pronunciation you ever heard
2: <laughs> um probably something like Tavi Lu or something it's just like oh the, my God, the, that's, the, that's the really yeah that's pretty bad <laughs> <laughs>
1: this has nothing to do with my name at all no exactly right? no
2: but but I feel like I I um uh, yeah, I mean I mean Tulve is just it's been my name since I was little. Um it's my middle name, but in Sweden it's really common to go by your middle name. Like your first name is a name that's kind of like related to a family member or something, but it's very rare for people to go by it. So like my whole band, everyone has a different um first name to what their spoken name is, you call it. So okay. like um which Cause like a, a lot nickname? Of confusion? Is sort of a nickname? No, it's like all my credit cards are, you know, in Tove, like in in, in Sweden and oh, stuff. Yeah. Okay. But here they're not allowed to be, it has to be uh, in Ebba. But it's hard. I don't really know how to explain it. It's like, um, it's just what parents do. Like the, the first name is something that it reminds you of you a family member or something. And then like, oh, it's my granddad's name, you know. And then your middle name is what you called by your whole life. Yeah. And so it's legal your name, but it's not your first name name
1: (laughs) well thankfully I didn't butcher it because it could have been really bad
2: yeah yeah (laughs) and thankfully we
1: also have TikTok the beauty of TikTok that explains because you did a great video actually (laughs) the other day like I need to set the record straight on how to say my name I need to address something here so but yeah you're right Tuvalu and voulez yeah I think that's
2: what clicked with people it was the Tuvalu voulez that's the easiest way to (laughs) figure it out (laughs) (laughs) well there's so much to
1: talk about the new album the tour obviously the show is a little bit about like this is your life your history Mm -hmm. so I'd love to start from the beginning if you don't mind it's sort of like rock and roll version i guess of how i built this and uh kind of like where you grew up you know were you around music a lot as a kid tell me about your upbringing in sweden and whatnot
2: um yeah i'm like where do we start i feel like i have i don't have a ton of memories from my childhood and i feel like some of them are memories that like my parents have told me and i have created the memory in my mind. I don't know, I listened to a podcast about memory and how we can't trust our memory at all. <laughs> <Mine's> <laughs> so it the makes worst, me really nervous. <laughs> 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 so is mine. But but I also feel I wonder though, well, you know, that when you've like toured a lot and been a lot of places, like I think a lot of your old memories get kicked out from new experiences and new new people and new environments, you know. I kind of feel like that also is a, a thing. Yeah. Um, but I remember I, I don't remember a lot of um music growing up like not that my parents didn't listen to music or anything but it wasn't really like a prevalent thing in in my life in terms of like oh the first artist i loved when i was a kid but i just remember kind of a lot of sort of um, songs in Swedish that I would that I know by heart for some reason. I don't remember when I heard them, but it must have been when I was a kid, you know?
1: Because your dad was um, like in fintech and your mom was yeah, mom a therapist. A psych- therapist yeah, right. yeah. Definitely not in music.
2: <laughs> no, no. But my aunt, my mom's sister, she was very musical and she would write all these like kind of outrageous um, rhymes and like kind of sing-song rhymes that we would all like sing with her. Um, they were quite amazing. It was like... Mom is uh, torturing dad with needles cuz he, <laughs> he he like <laughs> he was uh, um like flirting with other girls like with but, but rhyme in swedish she yeah. would be very um uh she would just do kind of like Fun murderous <laughs> rhymes that we would all learn. It's a new um, genre of music. Yeah, it's that a new genre music yeah. that that uh, would be quite incredible. I think actually. <laughs> I think that could be
1: something we could start after this.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: but but needless to say, your family wasn't really musical. But you have mm-hmm. a lot of memories. Do you remember your first musical kind of connection and and what it was a kind of yeah. what connected you to music early on?
2: I think it in the like very early on it was. Um, I think I just noticed that I love to sing so. Anytime that there was like, you know, in school, um, we have a lot of holidays in Sweden. So anytime there was like a, a break coming up, we would have a little like end of school, you know, kind of festivities. And then I would always try and sing. I would be, you know, I like the attention, I think, too. Um, and to be kind of a I was a very like performer in my way of, of being as a kid. And then I think when I became a teenager, I became way too self-conscious and like didn't really um, enjoy that aspect of it as much. But I think when I became like, oh, I love music, it was more like whole silver chair and Nirvana. <laughs> I was more in that zone when I like picked my own songs.
1: It's so fascinating mm-hmm. because you had this amazing grunge background, but yeah. then the music you create is different, right? Yeah. It's dark pop. It's
2: But I will say that I think um, Robin is the one artist that's been with me since I was like maybe 10 or 11 all the way through till now. Like... No matter how my taste has, like, fluctuated throughout my life, she has always been there. Yeah, I <laughs> That's love That's my that. number one. Yeah. And when did you first
1: hear Courtney? When was, What was your first experience hearing um, that record? I guess it was through Nirvana and that whole connection? Yeah,
2: it was, but it was through my—one um, of my best friend's older sister. Her and her friends were, like—I grew up in kind of, like, a posh area outside of Stockholm in Sweden. And my friend's older sister and her friends, like, kind of went against the norm, and they, like, started dressing really grungy and wore a bunch of studs and dyed their hair. And we were just like— that is the coolest thing. <laughs> and then they would just like sit in her room and listen to music and we would put our heads against the door and like try Amazing. and listen to it. And then they would sometimes, if they were feeling nice, they would show us some stuff. And that's when I remember hearing Celebrity Skin and like... Uh, yeah, that, <laughs> that was like the like, third yeah, record, I believe, yeah, or maybe yeah. fourth record at that point. Yeah.
1: And Nirvana, obviously, huge Nirvana yeah, fan, right? Yeah, for sure. And yeah. you mentioned Silverchair, which is also... Yeah, kind of...
2: that was Daniel Jones was my like first proper crush like I would write on my converse like I love talent. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I love it. And so it was
1: so you basically you started doing out recitals and things were there like talent shows growing up in Sweden there that you was, were part
2: of? Yeah. There was, but like, you know, very small school. It was like one one or two classes per grade. So like and we would do I remember second grade we did like a talent show and you would all you would lip sync. And I think then what did I do? I think I was Oh, that's when I was super hooked on Titanic. <laughs> so I did the, the My Heart Will Go On. And I had like a purple little like glass or like a plastic heart necklace that I thought was like the necklace in the movie. Amazing. And I and I came second place. So who I came was, in first? First was it um, was a, a boy who did the. Um, uh, Oh, I can't. There's the on that Paradiso, This Is Your Love. <laughs> do you that song? I remember that was only a Euro hit. But, um, and he wore like a pink wig and he had his like girlfriends. They did like a choreo and everything. So, yeah. And do you he, me- he deserved to win? He, d- he deserved well, to win. We yeah. don't know where he is now. But no.
1: uh, <laughs> do you remember writing songs and getting into writing songs at, at that, what, maybe 13, 14? When did yeah, you start writing?
2: Around, I did write my first. We, I started earlier than that, actually. The same friend whose sister we were looking up to so much, you know, because she was so cool and listened to cool music. Me and her started writing songs at, like, 11. We would just, like, sing words, like, you know, and then we would make it in, like, fake English because that was, like, all the pop music <laughs> was in. So, um, but we started making songs around then. And then I remember in Sweden you have a lot of these, like, after school places. So every school has, like, a another venue close by that you can go to after school if you can't go home or if your parents can't grab you in time so it's free and you go there and you just like play and you could like play music you could like eat snacks and just kind of watch movies and hang out which was amazing um, sounds
1: like somewhere I want to be right now yeah exactly
2: <laughs> 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 and we would just go there and there was some like shitty instruments in the basement so we started kind of like trying to play stuff um, and I remember I remember we wrote a song called confess there was something about like I don't honestly, I mean, I was 14 and I hadn't really had a lot of like love experience at that point, but it was definitely like a cheating story. I must've gotten it from a movie or something, <laughs> but it was like, you better confess or I'll make your life a real big mess. It was like a revenge song of some kind. I'm 14 and I don't know what's yeah, going on. Yeah, I don't know what's going on, but I've seen this in the movies. Yeah. And at some
1: point you actually joined a band and you formed like a rock band, right? I don't yeah. know how old you were yeah. at that point, maybe 16?
2: That was like right after... So I think that's where, like, where I feel like my music journey really, like, started. When I started to realize, like, this is what I want to do was high school. Because I applied to this music high school in Sweden that's, like, um, it's a it's public school, but you get in based on your grades and your audition. And I, my parents let me apply. They're like, she's not going to get in. She's not that good. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got in and they were like oh, that's such a hippie school, but they just saw how happy I was. So they were like, okay, you can go. Um, make sure you study extra math and French. You need to do all those things. I'm like, of course I will. And I did not, but... Um, They're like, Are you sure you don't want to be a scientist? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pretty much that. It, that was kind of what I was choosing in between. I had really good grades in school. So I was choosing between the like, sort of like biology science um, at the like really prestige high school mm-hmm. or this um, hippie mu- it was also a prestige high school but in a very different way to what they're used to in terms of music you yeah. know um, but when I started there I remember the shock of starting there and like oh I'm not I'm not the best here at all I'm kind of the worst everyone is so good and you know it was kids who grew up with musical parents had gone to music school earlier in their life it was just all everyone was really really talented and I remember feeling really like oh I have so much to prove right now. <laughs> and and that I think kicked my confidence a bit for a few years. But But it might have um, made you work
1: harder in a sense oh, too, for right? Sure, because you yeah. have something to prove at that point. It made
2: me like I think that's one thing that I will always cherish is that I'm not naturally good at things, but I'm I practice mm. and then I get good. Um and I think that was the same with singing. Like, okay, I can do this, but if I practice, I'm gonna get really good. And so I would practice so much, like, it was, uh, my vocal coach that I had at that school was incredible. She really, like, made me, like, want it, you know?
1: And were the classes, like, theory, or were they performance classes? What were the it classes, was, like, at it that was point? It was
2: music theory, and I remember I did the, like, music theory tests, and I, like, just put a smiley face on the front. I was like, I can't, <laughs> I don't know any of this stuff. But that was fine. They just, okay, we just want to know where you're at so we can put you in, like, a class that matches your ability. Yeah. Um, But then it's like performance, you play in bands we do like we did like two week blocks of like, okay, this is jazz weeks, and then we do two weeks of like learning how to sing and play jazz music. So you'll be put together in an ensemble with like two singers, two guitar players, a bass player, a keyboard player and a drummer and then We would all, you know, have individual lessons learning our craft, like our instrument, vocals or drums or whatever. And then you'd have these like ensemble sessions a few times a week. And then they had rehearsal spaces that were open till 11 p.m. So you could also stay in school and rehearse if you had like a performance or something that week, um, which is really cool. And at yeah. a certain point,
1: did you meet friends at school and start to form this band? Yeah. Tremblebee,
2: I think was it. yeah. Yeah, I yeah. did a deep dive on Tremblebee <laughs> yeah. on
1: YouTube. Interesting, right? Because there's everything yeah, on YouTube. I you know. think like there's not, it's not up there. Oh, it's. And then you do a dive and it's it like, wait a minute, there. There, there's Tremblebee.
2: There's full recordings on SoundCloud you can download still, I think. We wow. were like, this is free. Like, <laughs> I think 18 year old me were like, you fucking sell off.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Music should be free, which I don't agree with. But I think I was just like, I don't know. I, I,
1: it was kind of there rock. Were, it was a little folky. It's, almost. Like, there was a, it's
2: like weird alternative rock yeah. for musicians. I feel like it <laughs> yeah. like changes key and tempo like four yeah. times in the song. <laughs> but that's also how I learned to, I think, record and perform like live. Really like being good at that. Like recording, I remember the guitar player wrote most of the songs. I did some of the lyrics, but like he wrote most of it. And we would record, and he would be like like today, you know, you do like I do a few takes of the verse, few takes of the pre-chorus, few takes of the chorus, and you kind of like pick what what feels the best. He wanted it to be, the lead should be one full take all the way through without any cutting or adjusting.
1: Like the 70s.
2: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. He was very like, otherwise you're not a real singer, basically. (laughs) And... Meanwhile, no (laughs) albums are made like that anymore. No, no, definitely not, no. And I feel like that's a cool way to think about it, but it was obviously the music was so complicated to sing and play that me singing one take through like I need the timing and the pitch everything perfect was very <laughs> hard <laughs> and like no like no thinking about like oh what what about the emotional output not at all it was just like perfection in in like key and and like if I missed one like syncopated thing in the verse it was like Gotta do it again. And I was just like <laughs> <laughs> But I think it taught me a lot, you know. Where are um, the members
1: of Tremble Be now? Are they somewhere? Are they? Um I still talked playing? to the
2: bass player Tom Um a while ago, actually, they did like a Swedish um, little documentary on me on a Swedish radio station. He like called me and he's like, they asked me about you and I feel like I needed to talk to you. <laughs> I haven't seen you in years. Actually, I haven't seen them in a really long time. Yeah, but I hope they're well. <laughs> I'm sure. At a certain point,
1: though, did you realize, well, this is my calling, right? I'm 16. I'm 17. I'm in Trumbleby. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going the way I want it to go, but I feel like this is what I'm doing for the rest of my life.
2: Yeah, I mean, I felt that. I think we we were a band for quite a long time, actually. We were, I think I was, yes, yeah, 17. I might even have been 18 when I started with them. And then um, we played for a few years. Um, and, and I remember we played, like, all the shitty bars around Stockholm and, like, some other places in Sweden. And we would rehearse, like, three times a week, like, really focused. And I really enjoyed that time a lot, being in the rehearsal space. I do miss that a bit. Now, in terms of like having the songs come together in in the rehearsal space is a really special feeling. Um, but it kind of changes that, you know, now like my producers are kind of my band in that sense. Yeah. Um,
1: Even now with the pandemic, people were sending files. I mean, it yeah, was so yeah, un-rock and roll yeah, the way things yeah. are created now, right? Because yeah. I'm glad that you did that because it's uh it's something that I did for many years. I mean, mm-hmm. we get in a room, we all hammer it out and maybe you got a great song. Or maybe you had to keep practicing for four years, yeah. right? But it's interesting the way music is created now versus the way it was years ago, right? And
2: I think it's become, like everything, it's become more isolated, yeah. you know? And I think it's the it's the fear of... It's the fear of awkward energy and it's the fear of social anxiety. People are so like you know, and, and I even feel that when I do, I mean, I do so many songwriting sessions with people for their project and my project. And it's like if it's a new person I haven't worked with before, if it gets cancelled, you always get that little relief of like, Oh, I think <laughs> which is so like why? I love this. Right, like yeah. I love doing this. And I guess it's because um but then again, like when I write with people I know really well. Um, then I'm like, I can be in there for hours, and yeah. I'm so relaxed. Even when we're challenging each other, we're fighting or whatever. It still like feels it's giving me so much, you know. But there's something about that. Like I think about when people do collaborations and features, and you know, you do that with people who've never even, you never, even, like some people I've worked with, I've never even met them, you yeah. know, and we have like a song together and I'm like, oh, it's doing well, but I've never <laughs> seen, like looked in your eyes. Yeah. It's so strange. Because <laughs> like you worked
1: with Lord at some point, right? But yeah. did you actually meet her? Oh, I did actually. That you was in person. Okay. Yeah, Because okay. I didn't know if you she's, guys actually met. No,
2: I think she's, um, I think for her, she's a very in-person writer yeah. and that was a very special moment. Yeah, um, i sure. Yeah. Sure. It was, uh, watching her work was, Yeah an honor
1: (laughs) yeah well i definitely want to get to that but taking a step back is it true that you actually spent a bit of time learning drums at some point
2: yeah i think i went through all the instruments only because i'm a drummer so
1: i felt like we could have some like uh drummer talk here for a second i um
2: i i would disappoint you let's say that (laughs) i think i i think i was trying to learn all instruments to kind of get a better feel but also when i was in trembleby like i would it would be like me and the guitar player would go to the rehearsal space, take all the gear, and then go to the to the venue and like set it up. So I knew how to set up a drum kit. I knew how to like set everything up, you know, Michael the, the <laughs> amps and all that stuff. Um, Sometimes I was but, like, I um, wish I
1: learned how to play harmonica because the yeah. setting up of the drum set <laughs> yeah. is a pain in the ass. Yes, let's face yeah. it, right? You needed yeah. like a station wagon or some
2: kind of it's SUV. A it's, it's a lot. lot. It's a lot. Yeah, but I feel like I I um I've lost sort of, I guess when I was like, okay, one, one thing is enough in a way, but I do feel like when I'm, it's something I still, it's still my favorite instrument to learn, you know? And I think when I make music with Ludwig, who's my main producer sure. now, he's a, he's a drummer from the beginning. So I think a lot of it comes from like the, we usually start with just like drums and vocals sometimes. Great. Um, but I remember going to like, um, a, these like clinics in Stockholm, the clinics, la- yeah. yeah. The like, but it was like a... It wasn't even, it wasn't called, it was called bass and drum. And it was like World di Donati and okay. <laughs> stuff were there doing like crazy, just drum solos for like four hours. Were you into drummers? Amazing. Did you like study drummers growing
1: up too or not really? Not
2: really, but okay. I w- it would just be through like, um, I guess it would just be through kind of being with, in like a very sort of nerdy music environment and you just kind of like pick and like, bands that are like, I'm like, oh, the drummer Mos Volta is really cool. Like, right. you kind of, you would pick up on all that kind of stuff and yeah. be, and like, listen extra and be very impressed by the skill. But I wasn't like a, I wouldn't nerd out to that too <laughs> much. <laughs> well,
1: along the way, you probably had some odd jobs too, right? When you were writing mm. music and in school. So I, I think mm. you worked at like Urban Outfitters and yes. you things like a bakery, I mm-hmm. believe, right? Yeah. So I guess at some point, it all clicked for you and you started making money writing music because initially mm-hmm. you started as a writer. Yeah. So talk to me about that time period for yourself and what but it was like when it first when you first were like, you know what? I'm not working at Urban Outfitters anymore. I'm done. I'm making some money here, making music. And this is what I'm yeah. going to do for my life.
2: What was that journey? I think it was... Yeah, I think it was... I was ju- jumping between jobs. I was playing in Tremblebee. And I was getting... Like slowly getting sort of like jobs as a session singer. Like doing demo jobs. Like recording other producers' songs that they were pitching to artists and stuff. So I started doing that a little bit. And then... I started working as an assistant to this vocal coach slash life coach who was like looking after a lot of like really big Swedish like 90s like um uh, singers and stuff. So um I learned so much working for her. It was just like it was kind of absolute chaos. But she was an incredible woman who taught me <laughs> a lot about just the industry and like um and she would. We would set up live shows with her artists and I would help her set that up. And then um, I would meet producers who were like, oh, you're a singer too. Wait, I need someone to record this thing. And I kind of, all of a sudden I was doing like hustling, doing like cover gigs. I was singing on cruise ships, like doing wow. all that kind of <laughs> shit. But at least I Is was there like... Is
1: there a video of that on YouTube? On I the hope not. <laughs>
2: oh my God. I was singing. It was like a 24 hour cruise to... Finland and back just so that people could buy booze cheap so it was like 24 hours was so it was like cost nothing and I would sing 40 minutes of Danish hits on the way home from the like on the way back in the morning um to promote their Danish summer cruise it was I can't even describe to you the people that were on this boat I remember I got some of the most outrageous like advances I've ever and I was sitting you know I was what was that 22 maybe
1: and this is in the morning, too? You yeah, said? in the morning. I, I, mean, I
2: mean, we would have to go out on the cruise ship, obviously, the night before. So me and the band would, like, grab a couple of beers. But it would be like, hey, my buddy over here just got out of jail. And, you know, he hasn't <laughs> been with anyone in a while. And I'm like, I'm good. Thank you. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to. Not really what I was looking for, <laughs> no, but thank you. Always, like, watch over your shoulders a few times going back to your um, to your room. Like, it was oh uh, it was pretty wild. But um, at least I was, like, if I did a few, though, like, that would cover gigs would play pretty pay pretty well in Sweden. And, and same with the session singing. So if I did a few of those like oh like a week or a month, like I could pay my bills. I didn't have a lot of money, but I could pay my bills. So I would like be able to work on my own music. Like that's kind of when I was like, okay, I really want to do this. Like I'm getting a lot of no's. Nobody's really <laughs> interested. Like, no publisher, no label, no one is like, no manager wants to be involved in this. But I just kind of kept pushing. And then eventually I got to play this. Um, I got to this, there was this festival called Peace and Love in Sweden. It's not around anymore, but this must've been 2010 or 11, maybe 2011. And I got to play the, um, a cafe outside the festival. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, like
1: Spinal Tap. You're not playing the yes. festival. You're in the other festival Literal, down the street. It was a lot basement. of
2: Spinal Tap moments <laughs> right. in the beginning for, <laughs> right. me, for me, Um, and we like, I went with my band, um, this was after Trembleby, and we slept in the car, we played at noon, and this A&R from Warner Chapel just happened to be there. Um, that's kind of like, that was kind of thing, it was like the industry cafe, so. And he saw us live and he was like, I like your lyrics, you have, I don't know what else is happening with you, <laughs> but like, the, the lyrics are good. And I was like, okay, and then he eventually ended up signing me as like a you know, writer development kind of deal. And quite quickly there, I met a lot of producers that I still work with so much to this day, like from day one. And...
1: um, Do you remember the first sessions, what you were getting paid, like early on?
2: Um,
1: Like your very first session? I mean, I would get
2: an advance... I got an advance from them, and then you don't get paid per session. So you just did... I just did like... You were just hoping for cuts, you know. Um, And the first few cuts I started getting was with... Uh, Icona Pop were friends of mine who I went to high school yeah, with really um, and thing. yeah and they they like took me they like brought me and like we want her to work on lyrics they like really did me a solid <laughs> you know and then I got to go and do a lot of at Cenomania in the in, outside of London sure. so I got some cuts with um, Girls Aloud on the Saturdays and that was kind of like how it got started um, but I mean it's hard to know like if you put out like what I would like I have no idea what I, what I was paid per session, you know, because you didn't really get that. Like hand. your very <laughs> first session.
1: No one ever said the, the first session you ever did. The guy didn't say, hey, do you want a hundred dollars? No, well, no. It was just like, let's do no. it and see what happens. Yeah, exactly. That's interesting. And at yeah. a certain point you, you meet Max Martin, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so yes. what was that like? Because you had already been writing now. You sit with Girls Aloud and yeah, different artists. And
2: I feel like um, by that point, though. So, yeah, I didn't have anything. I had no cuts when I met Max Martin. I was just signed to Warner Chapel and I got, <laughs> I got to LA, um, for, um, I was going to do basically, okay. I'm like, where do I start this story? Okay. I get signed to Warner Chapel. I get asked to come with to, uh, one of their writers, Alex Kronlund, like, uh, who did a bunch of like big songs, like, um, a lot of Britney, uh, amazing writer. It was his birthday party. And... They asked if I wanted to come with. I would meet a lot of the other writers at Warner Chapel. It would be kind of like a good um, thing for me to just come with them. And I was like, I would love to. Got there. I got pretty drunk. So I got on stage and just kind of sang a few songs. And then Alex was like, I love your voice. I'm going to be in a LA writing songs. Uh, are you a writer? I'm like, yeah. He's like, great. I was like, do you want to hear anything? I was like, did julius sign you i'm like well yeah he's looking out for me he's like good (laughs) i trust it like come to la and julius julius who still is my publisher and like he's like the number one person i send music to um he he was like it's too early for you um but i'm gonna send you anyway and you can just like you know meet people um see how you feel like you know work with um alex if that happens, you know, um, if they if he has time, you know, but I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna send you and you can meet people <laughs> basically. And, and
1: did you know anyone in LA or No, was it? Okay. nobody. So had, you come here not yeah. knowing a soul. Yeah.
2: Not knowing wow. a soul. And it was before Uber. Um, so I was, you know, um, I didn't drive. So, still huh. don't drive. How'd you get around? It was like <laughs> well, I found a taxes. lovely cab driver who was like, "If you always call me and pay me cash, I'll come pick you up." So I would just had just like a big chunk of cash on me, and I would call him. And sometimes I would just have to wait forty minutes outside some random person's house oh that I had a God. terrible session with.
0: Oh <laughs> like,
2: it was a pretty intense trip. But basically, yeah. when I uh, Alex and Martin are really good friends and work together a lot, and so when I got in the car from the airport. Well, Adam was going to pick me up, but he surprised me with like sending a driver, which that had never happened to me in my life. So there's like this huge man in a suit with like my name on his iPad, and I was like, what? Like
1: <laughs> spelled incorrectly or spelled correctly? Spelled correctly, spelled correctly. yeah.
2: <laughs> and I get in the car, and like I was like, do you know where I'm going? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm taking you to Max Martin's house in Hollywood. And I was like, uh. Oh. What? Had <laughs> like, yeah, you known who Mats um, Martin was
1: at that point? Oh, definitely knew who he was. Yeah, yeah. I
2: mean, I was. He's was like a nervous. demigod in Sweden too. Yeah, right? was, I mean, he's like you know, I mean, he's an, the biggest songwriter. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. like of, of all time. So that was a okay. Just prepare yourself, and I kind of walk in, and I'm like hello and then Alex (laughs) is there like hey come meet everybody and I'm like hi I'm sorry I'm in your home like you don't know me (laughs) um but they were and I like didn't have a place to stay because I was gonna stay with someone who was friends with someone but it kind of fell through and I was just kind of standing there like panicking because I was like I don't I've kind of counted on Alex to fix everything for me like what do I do and then Max and his family were like, "Do you need to stay here?" Like, do you-? <laughs> I was like, "Thank you, <laughs> so nice of them." Um, so I stayed there for a while, and then um, I had to like they had uh, guests coming, so I was like, hey, "I'm, I'm, I'm getting out," and I just moved into the Saharan Motor
0: Inn. <laughs> Where is that
2: Vine and Sunset? <laughs> I think beautiful Vine and Sunset. <laughs> <a> beautiful Vine <laughs> and Sunset. Um, probably one of the sketchier motels yeah. you can find. But
1: I live by there. I don't even know what that <laughs> is, but I, I also don't look,
0: you know, I'm no, not looking no, for it either, look. but.
2: <laughs> but it was, um, but it was an experience. I, I was definitely a little bit, um, scary coming home at night because it was just me and a bunch of, it's next to the Seventh Vale strip club. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah.
1: Sure. I actually do. Um, now that you say yeah. that, I feel like I have an idea So it's a motel is, right? next door. So yeah, I would wake up to glamorous. people
2: banging all night, yeah. just like, <laughs> what's going on? They're doing something weird in there. But, um, still... I wrote a lot of songs. I don't think any of them were good that trip, but it was such a valuable experience for me to like get thrown in the room with people I'd never met before. The culture shock of American songwriting versus what I was used to, kind of in in Sweden, and just the. The general L.A. just mayhem, you know. (laughs) Also, I guess you probably
1: agree. Some of the best writing comes from life experiences like this, right? yeah, for sure. So, you mean that whole story is incredible. The Seventh (laughs) Vale. I don't know what songs came out of there, but I'm sure they're great. Yeah,
2: I think uh, that did a lot for just also the feeling of like being challenged, you know, um, in that way and like. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to just try, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so at a certain point,
1: I guess you wrote some songs with Max and it was successful because you mm. kept writing with them. Right? Well,
2: so it's kind of started off as a mentorship mainly. So I got, um, I didn't do any sessions with him that trip, but he gave me feedback on on uh, some of the songs that i written and I was like shaking, but it was so um, uh, such a great experience because he was being very respectful um, and just... I feel like when you have that kind of, um, legacy, um, it's hard to stay humble, but he's still a very humble person. I find so, um, but, but I, after, I can't remember how long after, but I must have been like a couple years after, uh, writing for other people and kind of like, you know, proving myself in the sort of writing world a bit, um, they started kind of like a um, a collaboration between Warner Chapel and MXM, and then me and eight other producers um, got signed as like a collective called Wolf Cousins, and that's what I'm still part of to to this day. Um, so it's it's um, now it's expanded a little bit, but it's like I think uh, yeah the eight of us are still like the kind of core. Um, group there. But how incredible
1: by the way and how surreal to go from a school mm-hmm. to starting to have, like Max Morin as your mentor. Yeah. So unheard of. That doesn't really happen too no, so often no. like
2: that. No, I mean I'm, I'm like, is it that Sweden is just that small <laughs> or like how?
1: <laughs> no, but it's also an attachment to how talented yeah. you are, right? Because yeah, in the end you. of the day that yeah. wouldn't have happened unless they saw something. No, new.
2: And, and I think again what um, I think they also what, what Julius keeps telling me is like um, the hard work that I put in so early on, even if it was like Okay, she's got a lot to learn, but she is willing to do all, like, just do it all and, like, really work hard and show up and, like, you know, you know, wrong, try again, wrong, try again. Just, like, kind of not giving up on a song and, and, yeah, really giving it my all. Yeah, but Obviously, it was working.
1: You had this great collective. You start writing Mm -hmm. songs. And at a certain point, you decide, you know what? I want to come out. Behind the shadows mm-hmm. and you know behind the scenes, and actually do my own thing, right, or was that a conscious decision, or you just think, no, I'll was, do it on the side
2: i mean i think i I think my artist dreams were kind of lukewarm in the beginning of my life. I just like wanted to l- make music and be able to travel and just do make music like I didn't really like. Yes, I wanted to sing and play shows, but I think I was... I loved being a writer for the artist. I enjoy that. I still enjoy that so much. I could really, like, see myself doing that for my whole life. You know, it's it's very... uh, A special feeling. And I think... So, kind of my... My artist dreams kind of got put on the back burner a little bit. But then I started... I wrote a few songs where I'm like, Oh, I can't, like... I can't give these away. And that was... Too personal. Yeah, and just like a this is me, I just felt yeah. that like, this is me, that feeling. It's honest and it's vulnerable and it's like raw and I'm admitting to like flaws that people usually would try and hide and <laughs> that yeah. kind of stuff and it just felt so right for some reason. And I remember I was saying to to Julius and, and, and Martin, I was like, look, I still would love to, I wanna be a part of this writing collective, I just wanna know that like, can I also put out my own music? You know, the writing is going to be my career, but I just want to have some songs <laughs> out there that are fully in my voice. Just as like an indie side project, right. you know, and I didn't ex- obviously
1: downplaying it. Yeah.
2: It, yeah, And I don't think I honestly don't think any of us in my team really knew the impact that like Habits Stay High would have like on my career and on, on just like um, how that would just like. Skyrocket me (laughs) into this like worldwide place where I can like tour the world still you know and, yeah. and that song still resonates with people it's really cool <laughs> and let's talk about that for a
1: moment because that is the song that mm-hmm. really broke everything for you yeah. so you know I guess why was Stay High so personal to you versus some of the other stuff and, and you're being humble but you've written with like Coldplay mm-hmm. to Lord, <laughs> to whoever. I mean there's a list of like 50 artists we yeah. can get into right so you obviously were working with amazing artists at mm-hmm. that point but I mean I don't the list goes on we'll, mm-hmm. we'll get into it at some point but Again, that song was the one that really broke it, you know, uh, big for you. So at, at a certain point you probably decided, you know, like lyrically, it's just, it's too personal mm-hmm. for me. It's too vulnerable. I can't imagine giving yeah. habits to someone else. So what was it about that song that really made it, you know, that you decided I need this for my own,
2: you, you know, know you know what it was? I think it was a few things. It was because I wrote that verse, uh, I did my bathtub, then I go to sex clubs, so that I wrote that as a poem when I was, when I had like, kind of given up a little bit. I was like, I'm so exhausted from being my only champion. Like, I'm my number one champion, and I just feel like everyone's just kind of trying to tell me to like, you know, just get a real job. And I was working in the reception at a Pilates center, and I was like really hungover, and I'd had a terrible fight with my boyfriend at the time, and we were about to break up, and I was like writing this and I was like why do I go into this like destructive zone you know and I just started writing the verses like I still have the the like page that I wrote that on for the first time and then I tried to write the chorus to it for like two years like I really at first it was more like you know kind of like a fuck it I do what I want kind of chorus and then but I was like it doesn't it's not right it still isn't right and then I finally, like, it finally clicked when I was in um, New York for my 25th birthday, and it was, like, I was there doing songwriting, and it was, like, it was during the Sandy storm.
0: Mm. Hurricane, um, Hurricane Sandy, Hurricane yeah. Sandy, and
2: I, um, like, I was staying at a friend's place in Tribeca, and all the, like, all the, the power, of the reception, everything was out, so I couldn't actually talk to anyone on my birthday i was just like fully (laughs) alone by yourself hurricane
1: sandy on your birthday yeah
2: and then i walked and then um he had a studio it was daniel dinsky who, who was also on the song like he he had a studio um in midtown so i walked up to the studio and uh would get to work from there because he was being really nice and let me borrow the studio and then he came to new york and i was like I have this one song that I'm like still trying to figure out the chorus to. Like, here's the, here's my original production on it. And like, you know, and it it still had the, uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. And I showed it to him and he was like, oh, but this is like, this is a heartbreak song. Like, you know, this is like, that's what it is. Like you're singing, you're like singing about this behavior because you're like feeling sad. And once he said that, I kind of like. I just like, I just, I just had the chorus, like the words just came, the melody all at once. And I was like, wait, wait. And I was like, had the chords. I was just like, this is it. And he's like, that is it. (laughs) And it was just like a really, and once I think because the song has such a journey and because I went through a lot and it's like kind of went with me throughout my life, you Mm -hmm. know? yeah, I remember and then I sent it to to Ludwig and Jacob, who, you know, I've done so much of my stuff with. And I'm like, what do you think? And they're like, you did it. <laughs> you <know? laughs> and then they um, produced it and kind of gave it the sound that I think is my sound yeah. now, too. You know, it's like it's a it's a uh, me and Ludwig are kind of the band in a way, you know, yeah. um, it's interesting I've heard mm-hmm. you say
1: sometimes the more personal it gets, the broader it gets in terms yeah, of songwriting. Yeah, right. Yeah. So that song so. in particular too. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, because that obviously the story is so great to have that. And also the fact that you do have your whole life to write your first record and mm-hmm. it took you a couple of years to write that yeah, song. Right. Exactly. And then your second record's like, all right, in three months can this be done? You're like, wait a minute. <laughs> I, I just took 16 years to write this yeah, first record.
2: Exactly. So do you exactly. remember the first time you heard,
1: you heard Habits on the radio? Maybe in Sweden, um,
2: I guess. I do. It was actually... I do remember... I actually do remember the first time I heard it in, in, in the US. And it was... We were in a van, me and my band, going to the airport from... After doing, like, so much radio promo. <laughs> like, it was just, you know, three stations a day. Like, you know, it was it was pretty pretty intense. But um, we got in the car, in the van to the airport, and it just comes on. And it was like... <sighs> like that feeling. You know, and, and, and I... I remember I've heard other songs of mine on the radio in Sweden, like for the first time, um, which was also so special. I was with my brother one time and it was like, what? (laughs) You know, I lost (laughs) my mind. But it's also something as a Swedish person coming to the states and like hearing it it's just so like that just feels so far away you know yeah it was really cool
1: i grew up in a time of cassettes i'm aging myself but i remember (laughs) hearing a band i was in at that time on the radio i kept pressing the button to eject the cassette i'm like wait a minute this is on the radio how is it possible (laughs) and it's like there's no cassette in here but um and so at that point do you do you you just keep writing because you're like all right habits is obviously gonna hit it and i want to write a whole record i mean what was the process like for you at that point with the first album which has done incredibly well
2: Thank you. Well, I feel like I, I had, I'd been writing, like, I, I think once I had habits and because the thing is, I released it by myself at first independently in 2013. And then all the labels kind of just came running because they're like, why have, because I had a lot of, you know, contacts with a and all over the world because I was doing songwriting for other people. And so it was like, why have you not shown us this? And like, I made a video for it. And it was like, pretty similar to the video that's out now. Um, but it was just like a, you know, I was like, I don't know, well, I've been t- telling you that I have an artist project kind of that I'm kind of working on. And so then once, you know, I got a lot of different offers from major labels and I assigned to Universal and um, kind of re-released it in 2014. And by that point, you know, I was r- working towards, OK, I'm doing I'm making an album like that's that's happening. But I put out my um, EP Truth Serum first and then. I think that like did really well. And then it was kind of like, okay, just let's get you ready for an album. And then I remember not really like scrambling to finish them. Cause also by that point, my voice was starting to get really bad. um, Before my vocal cord surgery, it was like really starting to, and I remember being in the studio and like doing final recordings and Ludwig was like freaking out. He's like, "You can't sing," and I'm like, "I know, but what are we gonna do?" Like, so I don't talk have about a that. So, what happened? All
1: of a sudden, you were singing, and your vocal cord—you just—I
2: was just, you know, I mean, what the doctors told me at first, they thought it was a cyst, but it turned out it was a, a lump of scar tissue because I had sung on them when they were bleeding. So, just overuse, you mm-hmm. know. All the flying, all the promo, all the partying, all the singing, like it was just like too intense of a schedule for for my voice. (laughs) The
1: partying, for sure.
2: (laughs) Yeah, the partying, but I was still like, I still think that um, the combination of just like that kind of intense, like flying and singing the same day, like like, at least when I talk to the voice doctors, you know, I mean, they deal with opera singers. So they're like, they're completely like, how are they putting you through this? Like, this is not how it should be. Like, you can't, they're like, no interviews when you have a performance. And I was like... Well, that's not gonna happen. They're like, <laughs> we're writing you a note, like this is what needs to Or else like, you can't actually. sing anymore. Yeah, exactly. And and it's fair, like now I'm pretty I'm pretty busy, you know, and I'll like, you know, I'll and but I try to be like no more than two like two, three shows in a row max, like then I need a day, a couple of days off. And I'm pretty good at sort of um not looking at things as life or death if I need to say no to something, (laughs) which I think in the beginning of your career, you're so like everything, Anything. anything is like, you know, I'm kind of at that point now though. I'm like, I'm saying yes to absolutely everything. My manager's like, should we like take a look at the schedule again I'm like oh it's good I got it <laughs> let's go
1: but we are at a point in life where you kind of want to be out there. there's so much music obviously everything you're putting out is phenomenal Thank and you. I think it's mm-hmm. great because the world needs this right especially mm-hmm. now with what's going on in the world but did you ever think you know I'm being so open and honest and putting all my flaws out there like, yeah. and I'm being so vulnerable mm-hmm. maybe I shouldn't put so much out there in the beginning or were you completely comfortable with it I
2: don't think I realized that because I wrote a song about it I was going to have to talk about it mm. i think that was kind of a a shock to me a little bit someone was like well so um you sing about cheating on someone in a song what happened and i'm like,
0: like I don't how do you know that, that? <laughs> how do you know that
2: and it's i think that like really kind of um put me in a place of like kind of shock and i feel like i i was able to stay vulnerable because i think what i realized is like if i don't if I don't write music the way I need for me, I can't do this at all, you know? And I also think, you know, getting thrown into sort of the commercial part of uh, the music industry is quite different to the indie part, yeah, <laughs> you definitely. know? So that was just like a whole other animal to tackle, you know, and and I feel like I have no problem expressing my opinion or being honest or, or share my feelings, um, but... I didn't expect for it sometimes to get so twisted or mm. like, it. I also didn't really understand the culture around like never admit defeat, never show like, uh, use, like always try to be your best possible you and like, never show any kind of like a flaw or breakdown, you know, it's kind of a vulnerability different ad- vulnerability. Too, yeah. 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 And I guess I, I, yeah, I'm like looking for the perfect word and I can't really find it, but I feel like I, I just have never had an issue with being like, yeah, I'm not feeling that great today. It's maybe a Swedish yeah. thing, you know, but it would always get so um, uncomfortable. And it was like, don't say that. Don't don't talk about being sick. Don't talk about like having issues. And I'm like, but I I do, and it's, you know. Um, and I think. It helped me that I was already, like, a full-grown adult. I was mm. 26 when yeah. this was taking off. I think if I would have been a teenager, I would never would have been able to handle any of it, honestly. Probably cathartic,
1: I guess, in a way, yeah. right, to be mm-hmm. able to do that. So. Yeah, I think so. So you're going to do a bunch of albums, obviously, Grammy-nominated, which must be incredible, coming yeah, from yeah. that story that we spoke about, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. How did that feel? That ha- I mean, as some of your career I mean, highlights, I would imagine that's those yeah, are up there for sure. Yeah,
2: and I think also with, like, um, I think also for, for the... Um, for the music video for Gladys Gone, which was uh, the 2020 Grammy nomination, was like the effort put into that and the, the pr- like the pride I feel. And I get so much like shit for spending so much on my videos. It's like, I was like, it's so unnecessary, it doesn't matter. And I'm like, it does matter to me. <laughs> and I just, it's just like my my second favorite, f- like, way to express myself. And like my, my, my I, I just, I love it. And so... I don't know. That was just a really special moment.
1: <laughs> That's <been> incredible. By <laughs> yeah. I guess if you could look back at your younger self doing this stuff, like what would you say to yourself? Like what would you, what did, what did you learn in the process?
2: Oh, wow. Um, probably just, um, honestly, I would, I mean, I feel like I have so much to say where I'm like, I like young me, but also hate young me. <laughs> but I feel like just keep like, keep pushing, like, Keep doing what you're doing and, like, don't let any of the negativity around, like, affect you because it's going to be worth it in the end. And also yeah. just
1: tell Max Martin, put it on hold. I'm going to do my own
2: thing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have time for you. Anyway, let's fast Excuse forward. Yeah, there. we don't have time. Let's fast forward to the new record, the tour. Yes. There's so much to talk about, obviously. And it's interesting. I was looking at uh, TikTok the other day for To Die For. You know, there is an interesting thing that happens now with social media where songs take on a new life of its own. Mm. And and I, yeah. I see that you really <laughs> embrace that, which is great. Mm. And obviously there's like a dance craze now associated with To Die For, yeah. a great song. So. <laughs> Looks like you're embracing what's going on with the world and technology yeah. in that sense do you, you like it you like TikTok tock and what's i feel like there?
2: i need both though like yeah. i can't just be on i can't just be a content creator like yeah. that i have to like sometimes i'm like wait am i also a musician like am i actually like a serious artist who really put so much time on my craft and my 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 songs and my my, my videos and like the the creative outlet all that all has to be there so as long as i get to spend all the time i need to perfect that I love doing all this silly shit. Like I have a lot of fun on that app, honestly. Like yeah. I, I have found my way to just like, this is just a stupid part of my personality that you can <laughs> all enjoy if you want, you know, but I think that I also just, uh, I was actually an, an artist friend of mine who said this really well, because we were both kind of talking about like, it's so weird that there's like this whole other platform that we just need to kind of, uh, it's contradicting to everything that we've ever learned as pop stars yeah. <laughs> to do, and it's just like, how do you find your? Because you, it has to be natural. I think you can't you can't force it. Um, but she was saying she's like, I just want to like move with the time. I mean, you know, it's pop culture. We got to be a part of it, or you know, you can't like. There's no point in resenting it. Just like yeah. figure out how to make it yours. And I was like, I love that, and I'm gonna try. And I think I found. My way, you Definitely. know. Yeah, well, and I interesting enjoy this,
1: it. I was gonna say it's interesting. This I think it was Halsey that said, you know, I didn't really write songs to be ten seconds long, and now no. I feel like the labels are like, we need ten seconds, and that's yeah. so it's like people yeah. didn't consume music initially in ten second format. No. So, uh, but I was joking around. I, I've joked around on this show that there's gonna be an artist that comes out. I think there was an artist maybe this year, Pink Pantherist that did a lot of like 30 second songs. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's the, the wave of the future, right? That and the the Swedish uh, mm -hmm. murder songs that we spoke about, that new genre that we were talking about.
2: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) No, but honestly, it's also like, I guess I'm just, I'm just curious, you know, but I also do think that there's always going to be a space for a four or five minute heartbreaking ballad in people's lives. You know, there's like, there's room for everything. I guess that's, that's kind of the thing, but, um, I guess I land somewhere in the middle where it's like I use almost this platform not to promote myself to <laughs> just like his, have this is me it. and then I also have songs if you want to go listen to them <laughs> right. kind of like that yeah, yeah. <laughs> <But> <laughs> well
1: let's talk about the new record there's so much so many great songs on the record obviously Grapefruit Thank is uh, I think by the time this comes out the record mm. will be out the record okay, actually nice. comes out in a few days
2: so Grapefruit
1: is one of the songs which is very personal and mm-hmm. it talks about an eating disorder that yeah. you had like early on and I think that you had to lose like eight pounds in a week or two for a film you were yeah. doing So talk about that video and the song and and sort of the true confessional aspect of it.
2: Yeah, I guess I guess it was um, it's funny that I've never I've never really talked about it. I think I've like mentioned in passing, like, yeah, I used to hate my body when I was a teenager, but I've never like gotten into it properly. And I think um, it's because I haven't written a song about it. To me, it's like when I write a song about something, that's when I have to (laughs) talk about it, you know. Um, But I think I... There was something about just, you know, also being in lockdown and in, you know, um, in stillness, kind of looking back at your life and thinking about your career and like how who I am now and how I got here and just like all the changes that came with this the past couple of years, you know, but then shooting this movie in Sweden and it wasn't like, a you know, you're fat, lose weight. It was like, you're playing a starving, um, um, sex worker from the 1850s. Like, maybe you need to look a little less healthy. Like that was the, you know, um, very carefully put to me. And like, (laughs) so I don't want to like call them out for asking me to lose weight like that. But it was like in a very short period of time. And so I went on this like really intense diet for two weeks. Um, and I haven't been on a diet since I got healthy like 10 years ago. So it was very like. Oh wow! It just sparked so many memories back. Because um,
1: when you were younger, you struggled with some. Yeah, of this,
2: right? so I w- I had like pretty pretty bad bulimia, like on and off for five years, mm. from I was like fifteen to I was maybe twenty, um, and then at twenty, I kind of um, this is rough estimated years, <laughs> but um, I like had this moment. It's just such a it's such a, um evil disease. It carries a lot of shame and. Yes you definitely try to hide it for everyone you can and it's you know and for me at least it's a very personal experience too. So i can't speak for everyone who who struggles with this but i think in general just an unhealthy relationship to food so many of people my friends still have that i grew yeah. up with that i just see and it's like it's triggering to people still and and i think i'm hoping that it's changed but i don't really know but i feel very proud of myself to like be in a place where it doesn't like where I feel so, I really love my body, like uh, like truly, and feel very proud of it. i I never look at myself, and I'm like, oh, can if I could just change that, you know, because I've been through, like hell with that kind of thought process. But with an eating disorder, like how it was for me, was that okay? First, I have to go to therapy to like kill the behavior and like stop the 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 vicious sort of like circle of of uh, habits you have, and after you've done that, um you have to go to therapy to deal with what actually is going on. Cause it's rarely about food or right, what you right. look like. Deeper. There's something deeper. Sure. And so it was a long, long time of, of recovery for me to really get properly well. Mm. But I'm very happy that by the time that I became an artist and a public person, I had been well for a few years. So it wasn't like, you know, cause that I think would have really messed it up for me. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the sort of the commons and the scanning of your, um, your looks and your body and everything you know always
0: the worst um, the, the trolls yeah are yeah, it. The yeah. Worst. so
2: yeah. Um, I mean I also learned quickly like just don't read the comments yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just don't look too too deep into yeah. the <laughs> you know but you also um, have a platform now where you can help yeah. millions
1: of people yeah. which which I think in a way is something great about what's going on now because there are so many ways for people to get information now and to help them Yeah. so I guess if it is cathartic for you to talk about stuff like this and then it helps a lot of younger people yeah. but I feel like everyone has a weird relationship with food so many people do like yeah 80% of people, if you really yeah. break it down, probably have some exactly. strange relationship with food and then dynamic. There. And I
2: just, it's just like, for me, it's just such a, like, and that's what was kind of the thing with going on this diet again and remembering, remembering how everything, you're just so exhausted from yeah. constantly counting calories and thinking about, thinking about what you're supposed to eat and not eat. And I think with the song, the reason why I wrote it, like, I just remember when I was feeling at my worst, I couldn't listen to songs about body positivity. It just made me feel like a failure because I wasn't feeling that way about myself. So when I'm like having a good when I was, you know, I was having a good day and like, oh, I love my body today. I feel proud of myself. Then I would love to listen to the body positivity songs. But I think the reason why I wrote it like this, where you just kind of like are thrown into the worst part of the experience is because that's what would help me. I wanted to listen to songs where people were feeling the way I was feeling. Mm. And so that's kind of why I wrote it from that perspective. And like, this is what it was like, you know,
1: because there was nothing else that you could relate to at that point. No, really, no.
2: Yeah. And you get, so you just like carry this feeling of self-hatred, shame and failure. And it, trickles in into everything else in your life it's really it's exhausting yeah, yeah. i'm happy to be out of it <laughs> <laughs> well the,
1: also that let's talk about the record by the way mm. dirt Femme, the title of the record yes. you said it makes you feel like uh dancing <laughs> naked in the street and crying at the same <laughs> yeah. time so let's talk about that. that's an interesting juxtaposition. Yeah. so
2: i think it's the um the being an emotional creature who um can't you know i feel like i I a lot of times feel like I'm my I'm emotionally too intense for the sort of like normal world. <laughs> so I get it all out of my music and on stage and stuff like that, which is really um I found my outlet which is so um you know, feel very blessed for that. Um, but I think it's kind of the the feeling of relief and like um letting go and just like nostalgic happiness. I don't know. Yeah. those combinations. It's a good combination. Yeah, (laughs) I also like cry when I'm happy. I cry when I'm sad. So (laughs) I cry when I'm angry. (laughs) And also, let's
1: not forget it's the first release on your new record label, which is great. So how does that feel? Because before I feel like labels probably really let you do, you did an amazing like creative project. Mm -hmm. So I don't feel like you were really like put in a box where they wouldn't like explore. No,
2: no. I I feel like I, I really want to like, I think there's been a lot of those like, oh, you happen to be out of the majors. And I'm like, I, I am in the way that like, now I don't ever have to fight for full control (laughs) you know (laughs) but I felt very supported and like you know they really let me even when they were like we don't really understand what you're doing but we're not going to stop you from putting it out like you know do it's you you know so I was very appreciative of that because that's not always the the stories I've heard from from other artists you know who've had like um, problems with their label you know but I feel like it just was the natural step for me you know And you Um, think you'll sign other artists
1: under under your own label now
2: If there is enough time, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of don't want to be a businesswoman. I kind of just um, want to be creative. So... It would have to be if it's an artist that I can creatively be involved with, I think. Oh, so that yeah. could be a,
1: if you're collaborating mm-hmm. with someone. Mm-hmm. The video, by the way, No One Dies From Love, uh, incredible video. Thank you. Uh, one of my favorite videos I've seen lately. And the storytelling is incredible. I mean, the robot, I mean, we should talk about it for a moment. And you fall in love with a robot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then at a certain point, the robot's replaced with another robot. Yeah. And it's this love affair. I mean, there's two different sort of versions of the video, by the way, because there's mm-hmm. also the one that you did maybe in Palm Springs or something with yeah, the Yeah, they like right? the
2: scenes. Yeah, yeah. they like a sort of like a a scene for every song because I've kind of assigned like a character to every song Um, so I've sort of let the the scenes represent that. And then the singles have kind of had their standalone music videos um, that the only rule is that it needs to feel very cinematic and gorgeous. <laughs> well,
1: I love the video. Talk about the story behind the video with the robots and how that came about. So Maybe that's where we're headed in life. I don't know. I'm going to fall I in love with the pro- robot. Yeah, are.
2: I feel like it's... I mean, I'm very sentimental to anything that has, like, eyes, even if it's fake eyes, you <laughs> know? So I, I feel like I can find most things cute if they interact with me yeah. if that makes sense so i feel like um i was i sent this song to alaska this brazilian director team who i love uh, who did a video with me for are you gonna tell her this a song on sunshine kitty that we shot in brazil and it was like an incredible video um and just sent it to them and like here's the song like honestly just let us know what comes to you like the only thing i would say is like i would love for it to be yeah feel like a movie you know um That was all I said. And then Marco, one of the guys, called us back and was like, okay, so I think I have a perfect idea for this song. And he just basically gave us the whole storyline of, like, me uh, being this, like, lonely starlet in a a big house, and then I'm feeling lonely, so I, I buy this robot to keep me company and, like, help me out around the house. And then you see these, like, romantic vignettes, and then I just, like... And I'm the asshole in the end, you know, like switching her out (laughs) (laughs) to someone new. And I was just like, "This is perfect. I don't want to hear any other ideas. This is all we have to make this." You know, that was just that was it. And then we ironed out the details and like figured out what those little like the badminton moment. And yeah. the like, you know, <laughs> not to give too
1: much away, but if you haven't watched it, go watch it. It yes. reminds me of an episode of like Black Mirror in a sense. Yes, I mean, which is my favorite show. It so is Black Mirror. So I was obsessed. For sure. yeah. And the new <laughs> record, by the way, a bunch of collabs on the record. Obviously, S. G. Lewis and First Aid Kit. Any any one that particularly stands out for you? Have, you know, we didn't get into all the songs, but there's so many great songs on the record. Um, Kick in the Head is one. Of my favorites oh thank
2: you yeah Yeah. that actually yeah let's talk about that for a little bit um i think uh it's it's the first song i did with my roommate tim who is now uh we also did true romance how long and um grapefruit so he's like um and him and ludwig now love working together so like now he's like my one of the first like people after ludwig that i'm like oh we really like connect in this way and that was the first song that we wrote together after a year in quarantine and then I was like, wait, Tim, should we should we do a session? And he's like, yeah, I've kind of been waiting for you to ask, but you keep talking about how you're not feeling inspired and don't want to write. So I haven't dared to ask <laughs> so you. So you were living together with him, yeah, but you yeah. never thought about creating Yeah, music I live in like him. a collective with like five yeah. people. And
1: never thought right in front of you. Here's the. No,
2: I just, I, it was also because I wasn't feeling like writing. Right. I wasn't very inspired um, during that year. But, uh, and then this was the first song that we made. And I think, um, I don't even know. I can't remember if it was like, I think it was, I just sang melodies and and like on some chords he made. And then he just like, I kind of wanted to play with it a little bit. And what do you think of this beat? And I was like, it's so unexpected, you know, from that first dramatic, beautiful, like synth world into that beat. And I was like, this is so good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that was kind of the, yeah, our first our first collaboration and then I was like we need to make more this is so unique and yeah
1: I love all the collaborations you've done you've done so yeah. many we can talk about it for a moment but actually we had Simon LeBon on the show not long ago so uh, we spoke about you and we spoke about the collaboration you did with Duran Duran yes,
0: which was great and wow. sweet. Which was which was awesome, but uh, obviously along what an the way, honor. Uh, he's he's great. But along
1: the way, obviously Nick Jonas, Coldplay, mm-hmm. Charlie XCX, Major Lazer. I mean, we're, we're forgetting. There's you know fifty <laughs> others. But anyone that stands out in your mind is like you know I wish you know I like the return to that collab at some point because I feel like it's unfinished business. Maybe it's Lord, maybe it's Coldplay. I don't know who. It yeah, might be. I,
2: I feel like I always. Um I always loved doing stuff with Charlie because I think she's just a, you know, great friend of mine and just an incredible writer. Um, I also loved writing with Dua. It was so fun. Like, that was a really cool experience as well. And then, um, I mean, I've so many. But I will say also, Lord is like, just because she's such a lyric nerd, just yeah. like me, and just like sitting, writing lyrics with her, I will <laughs> never forget, like might have told the story a few times but we were sitting figuring out the lyrics for homemade dynamite um, and she was like for the second verse she's like oh it was just me and her and she's like I kind of feel like it would be so cool if it was like you know you know it's like a car crash but then we're like still either we survived or like the ghosts are partying like we're still kind of like um, the, you know it's like a uh, it's a beautiful crash I'm, and you know, like how do you like how do you describe the like image of that like broken glass and blood? And I was like panicking. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> trying to figure out. She's like, Oh, what about like we're painted? We painted red and chrome on the road, or the blo- broken glass sparkling? And I was like. It's the most beautiful sentence I've ever heard describing like someone dead on the road. Yeah. Like it was such a
1: Only Lord could do that. Yeah, right? and that's yeah. what I'm saying. I was yeah. like,
2: only you could write that sentence. Yeah. That's how it felt for me. And I was like, I'm very happy I was here for that. And then I contributed with, I guess we're partying. <laughs> She's like, I love it. I'm like, oh my God. This is so
1: <laughs> So maybe I'm there's even, a, maybe there's yeah. more there. Maybe there's another Lord collaboration. I would coming love
2: out. to write with her again. Yeah.
1: That'd be great. <laughs> was it a bit harder to tap into so sort of the the dark sensibilities now that you're happily married? Congrats, by the way, it's Thank been a couple you. of years, but yeah. you know do you feel like this, happy. Yeah, but, but this record like, because you know it's different when you're maybe alone or you're single and then you're, mm-hmm. you're happily married difficult to tap into the dark side of yourself or dark sensibilities for this record
2: um so i'm just gonna take my jacket yeah, yeah, i'm yeah, like sure. now i'm feeling the heat actually <laughs> yeah, it's, a little, it's a little hot um no but i um actually no i feel like i because i'm still the same like emotional person i feel like i just i guess in my usually in my everyday life I wake up you know more often happy than not yeah. <laughs> but there's so much stuff outside of him that I can really just get me to a dark place <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like I also tend to do a lot of um I write like my worst case scenario nightmare with like with something that he would do to me or like you know <laughs> if I, I have a dream where he cheated on me or something and I wake up and I'm like like, just the most cliche. I'm like mad at him. <laughs> and he's like, You know, I didn't actually do it. And I'm like,
0: <laughs> they're, they're dream inspired almost yeah, Yes,
2: exactly My worst nightmares all come true in this album yeah. Well,
1: it's a, it's a great time for you, obviously and you got a bunch of touring coming up So let's talk about that for one moment mm-hmm. So you obviously have the rest of this year Which is UK and yes, Europe Yes. And then next year you're going to be hitting America yes. And South America, Lollapalooza yes. Have you done Lollapalooza before?
2: Yes, a bunch of times, I love it yeah. It's like all over the world and it's always amazing
1: Perry's been a a friend of the show and has been on the show a bunch and he's great, Perry Farrell. Oh, yeah, nice, nice, nice. Yeah, I
2: I honestly... I've always had such a good experience, like great crowds, yeah. like just a festival in general, like always fun acts. Like, I usually, it's one that I usually like stay and hang out at and try to see other bands if I can. Yeah, well, that's
1: I think uh, March of next year. You hit South America, yes. Lollapalooz, and then this I year, can't wait. so you got some more dates this year, right at the end of this year. Actually, coming mm-hmm. up in a couple of weeks, Europe and
2: Europe and UK. UK. Um, we start in Dublin on my birthday, actually. Amazing, yes. happy early birthday! <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, and then we go through UK and then go through Europe. We end in Stockholm. Um, which will be very sweet and emotional (laughs) and then um, yeah and that's the end that's the end of touring for this year which is uh, it's been a pretty busy one actually it was like yeah 2022 won't be that busy with shows but it's been kind of non-stop but we're also making up for lost time right because there was a couple years we've been too much I've been like Say yes to everything. I don't yeah. care what it is. Just say yes. My Hopefully like, the um, podcast isn't one of them. <laughs> no, yeah, no. I'll
1: say yes to that show. Too. No, no, no. no. <laughs> but the rest. I of, love this
2: format. I love it. <laughs> but, but also
1: next year, obviously touring Americas. So I think you're playing the Wilter, maybe in L. A., which yes, is very exciting. Two at the Wilter. Amazing. So yeah. I'll have to come down to that for sure. The new record is phenomenal, dirt famine It's <laughs> out right about now. When you hear this show, yes. anything else you can tell us is exciting coming up? I mean, you did the Euphoria thing earlier this year. You worked yeah, with Pussy wow. Riot. There's more. There was so much to go. Over, yeah
2: go out.
1: well pick up the new record because it's just yes. out now there's yes. so, so much good stuff on the record <laughs> and thank you so much for being here I really thank appreciate it it's a little me. hot now in the studio right just
2: got a little yeah, hot but it's fine yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> well we'll see you next time and I'll see you at the Wiltern I hope coming yes, up
2: yes please come awesome. amazing thanks thank you. appreciate
1: it Well, that was awesome. Thanks again, Tovlo. What an interesting, amazing individual. So vulnerable, so real. What a great conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Excited to share it with the world. Check her out on tour. Check out her new record, Dirt Friend, which is out now by the time you listen to this. And as I said, tour dates coming up, UK and Europe, and also next year, South America and the US. And don't forget, if you like the show, please make sure you tell a few friends about the show. Give it five stars if you want. Hopefully you do. Thank you for tuning in. Have some amazing shows coming up for you soon. And thank you again for tuning in.
0: Hey, how it do, y'all? I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and Western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank.